All right. Happy Thursday. It's a bit of an adjustment. It's Thursday, not Friday like it usually is. But we are back with another episode of Learning Tech Talks, where we are exploring the landscape of learning technology while cutting through the fluff and getting the questions answered. You need answered uh, for a lot of different reasons. But anyway, today's topic at hand is the topic of well, we're going to be talking about hybrid workplace. We're going to be talking about hybrid learning, hybrid design, how we, what we need to do to be successful in this space. So it's going to be a, it's going to be a really fun conversation. Uh, and I'm joined by grizzled learning tech talks veteran Sam Herring. He has he has been here before, so this is this is not new to him. But he is from Intrepid by Vital Source. And we're going to be talking this through. We'll talk a little bit about what Intrepid is as we get into it. But before we do. Before we do, we got to have a little bit of fun, and I'm trying a new streaming studio today, so we're gonna we're gonna shake things up. It's gonna be a little bit different, a little bit interesting. But if you can comment in and join, tell us where you're joining from, and let's let's start with you, Sam. So where are you today in the world? And I know it's somewhere on the West Coast. That is, that is drum roll. Yes, I am beaming in from Seattle, Washington today, Capitol okay. Hill neighborhood to be specific. Yep. Okay, Capitol Hill. Wait. Okay, got it, got it. All right, all right, all right. So I'm in Waukesha as usual. So that that hasn't changed for me. Same as same as normal there. Um, but then let's do this. Let's also do our icebreaker activity. And you've had a little bit of time. You didn't even have to think. You didn't even have to think about your answer to this, which surprised me because it took a little bit of time for me to come to mind. And I have the advantage of planning ahead. You, you didn't right. have that. So you can also play along if you're watching. You can comment your answers as well. But Sam, let's hear it from you. If you could compete in any summer Olympic sport, what would it be and why? Crew. I was a rower Crew. in college. I was a rower in college. Just like boom, you just like went there. Just boom, crew. Didn't didn't yeah. even think that that literally backstage. Anybody is exactly how quickly he knew his answer. So that was he. That was not scripted. So yeah. crew, you were a rower in college. I was a rower in college, and uh, it, it's it, it, it's an incredible, incredible experience. Um, I actually had um, a couple guys on on our well, one guy in our boat. Uh, did double skulls in in uh, qual you know the Olympic qualifiers. Uh, he was an unbelievable athlete. So I I, I knew some guys who um, who who went you know all the way, and um, it's uh, it's 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 a pretty pretty incredible um, experience. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. So so how many like did you did you grow up rowing too, or was it just in college? Did you just pick it up then. Yeah. So, so, um, this was, uh, I'll date myself, you know, back in the early, uh, nineties and, um, you know, I'm, I'm from the West coast crew was more of an East coast thing at that time. So right. there would be, you know, if you were a, rec a recruited athlete, um, you know, you would, you're probably from the East coast, but, but I was a West coast kid, just sort of a general, you know, Jack of all trades, kind of, kind of generalist athlete. And, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> And I got I got recruited when I was on campus because there because there was a lightweight you know there's heavyweights and lightweights, and so they they kind of said ah you look like you might be able to pull an oar you know so um so I went out just <laughs> like walking down campus you're like you look oh, like pretty you much do pretty this. much yeah, you know, hey you want to you want to get this a whirl that's right they have, they have a table and they're out there they're enthusiastic and you're like yeah I I could try that so so I did and um and and competed and you know made the team and and rode and it was a great experience okay all right well I, you know what i learned i learned something new with every single one of these so i i struggled with this i actually struggled with this one because i'm like man summer olympics first i had to look at what's all in the category of summer olympics too now because they they add and remove and things like that so i was torn because bmx biking it was BM. It was between BMX biking, free climbing, which also okay. was right there, and then mountain biking. I'm like, okay, ah, between those three, I don't know which I would go with. And the other side to that was, you know, if somebody thought, why, why are you big into that? Did you used to do that? My answer would be, well, no, actually, I have no idea how to BMX bike. I could probably ride a mountain bike, but I think I would kill myself if I went down a mountain on it. Actually, and then free climbing. Not, you know, not experienced, but they both just seem like really, really cool. And so if I was good enough to compete in the Olympics for it, that's, you know, if you could just like wave a magic wand and suddenly be an Olympic athlete, I think those would be it. Although martial arts, 
that that was a contender as well because if you just be that person that Jason borns it, you know, somebody puts their hand on your shoulder. Next thing you know, you broke their arm and threw them across the room. That actually wouldn't be too bad either. So, so I, I, th I think for our audience here, Christopher, we're getting some insights into one another's personality. Like <laughs> I, I'm, I'm getting a clear read on, on like high adrenaline, you know, like th throw me into the deep end of the pool from Christopher. And from Sam, it's more like, you know, slog away, uh, you know, like grind away at the pain uh, through, you know, we're, we're getting, we're getting some insights here. Maybe I'm drawing the right inferences. <laughs> you are, and I agree. And that's the thing, right? I would have so much fun in that. Although now I know a little bit more about you and actually your background, which also tells me a little bit. I, I still am just picturing you walking down, can't like going to grab lunch and suddenly you're just yeah. like, Hey, yeah. well, you want to come be on the rowing team? You look like a lightweight. Like, you look I, like I don't a... know if I, I don't, I don't know if I'd be offended or if I'd be <laughs> really excited. Like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> so yeah, lightweight boat, you, the way they do it is the, the boat has to average 150 pounds and you got eight rowers and you got your coxswain. And that's why you want to have a small coxswain because they let, they weigh less, which means your rowers can be a little bit bigger in this case, guys. And I'll tell you, like, I'm, I'm like, just under six feet. I'm not like a tall guy. I'm sort of average size. So in high school, when you're playing basketball and stuff, uh, you know, you're, you're kind of medium size. But when you get to the lightweight, like you're a big guy. And, th and that's kind of fun to be the big guy, you know, once, uh, once you're- Be the big guy on the lightweight side. All right. That's right. All yeah, right. that's right. right. Yeah. Well, anyway, yeah. I so I know so much more about you now. So, um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so like I said, you've been on the show before, so other people might know, you know, a little bit about Intrepid or things like that. We won't spend a ton of time on this, but for anybody who made this be the first time they've seen it, this is the first time they've heard from you, the first time they've heard of Intrepid, how describe it for folks easily so they can say, oh, okay, at least I now understand you're coming from this tech company called intrepid yeah. and we'll we'll connect the dots into what that has to do with hybrid design as we get into it but let's start there totally yeah yeah no thanks christopher um so we're a collaborative learning uh platform and and really what the ex the core experience is you have a cohort of learners a team of learners traveling through a learning experience over time so that could be a series of days could be weeks could be months but you have that 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 experience of uh team-based learning and as you go through it, you are really working to apply concepts that you're learning about um, to, to your work. So it could be um, something related to a plan you're developing, anything uh, applying skills directly to your work, which of course is the point of workplace learning, all learning, uh, arguably. Um, and then you have opportunities to connect socially um, with others, get feedback, uh, discussion forums and so on, and then you're you're through that experience. You're obviously you have access to content, to videos and documents and so on. So think of it as, you know, we're pr probably uh, the audience is familiar with applications like Coursera or um, Udacity or you know, those kind of learning over time in the academic sense. Just think of it as that learning model applied to solving a business challenge in the workplace. Okay. Okay. Got it. Got it. So it well, and I think the way I had framed this up, I think the first time I was introduced to you was I'm trying to remember who, how we got made the introduction, but in some ways I, I look at Intrepid as almost a way to package up a learning experience into almost a, a digital boot camp, if you will, with a, with a mm -hmm. bit of a combination of you can take the different elements, whether they're live, whether they're asynchronous and you can, and you can bundle them together into a seamless experience that can then be placed wherever you need it to be. So it's it's yep. not, you know, I think sometimes I've heard people say, oh, is Intrepid an LXP? And I would say, no, no, that's not the the purpose of it. Yep. Is that fair? Yeah, I mean, the LXP as as it's come to be known in the category is, <laughs> is, <laughs> is you know, for, for better or for worse, it, it's an aggregator. Of, of learning experience. It's your front door to learning in the enterprise. It, it helps you get to the learning you need in a, in a thoughtful, well-curated kind of way. And it's, yeah. it gets you to learn. But 
it's 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 rarely the learning experience itself, which is a little bit ironic because it's called a learning experience platform. So uh, you get you to the learning, and, and we're all about the learning, like. Yeah, Whatever the actual well, that's where the learning experience piece actually does kind of fit, Intrepid, because it is actually where you're experiencing, where you're going through the learning experience itself. Which, right? But yes, we're getting into market categories, which as if the industry isn't confused enough already right. with right. with the one there. I I saw a post yesterday about digital content development as a new category. I'm like, here we go again. You know, it's, it's going to be confused. Anyway, it's, we, we won't go down that path or we'll get lost right. in here all day long. But so let's, let's connect the dots. Cause as we said, when we think about Intrepid, it is the destination, if you will, for where people are going through this experience. But as I was mentioning, and you brought up, it's an opportunity to actually pull that experience together into something holistic so that you can do this, which is what gets us to this whole point of hybrid design, hybrid design, yeah. which to me, I, I said this before we went live is it's the new responsive. It's where we say, well, it doesn't matter if you're in person or if you're remote, we're, we're just bringing this together, which is deeply tied to this whole remote workforce thing that's been going on, which ties to COVID, which ties to all sorts of industry activity that's been happening right now. So let's actually talk about this a little bit because we're coming up on 18 months that we've been in this weird twilight zone of a world and organizations have had to rapidly shift into this, their employees were all in the office or or they thought they, they had people around, but for the most part, many organizations had this model. Suddenly they weren't. And I'm just curious, you've been, I have to imagine having a digital learning experience platform. You've probably seen organizations go through a lot of transitions. So I'm curious, what are some of the, like, what are some of the learnings you've seen through osmosis with your clients that people have been going through on this? Yeah. Yeah. No, great question. I mean, we, like everybody else, you know, we were just reacting in the beginning. Um, frankly, we, you know, we tried to make our, our platform available to, Healthcare organizations, you know, that, that needed it at the time, but but what we saw, I think, whatever the world saw, of course, with not just us, was a massive shift to virtual class, virtual classroom delivery using Zoom, okay. using team, Teams. You know, that that just that just that was Q two of last year, no question. I think that was great as an emergency response to training, um, and the goal, of course, is not high fidelity learning experience. The the, the, the goal there is speed. Like, let's get this stuff that yeah. was in the classroom and get it online as quickly as we can. Uh, learning experience be damned, right? <laughs> um, because, <laughs> yes. And in many cases, it was. I've seen, <laughs> I've experienced some of them and and they were damned. That's that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, there were tons of, I just saw tons of CLOs on LinkedIn and stuff saying, I got my entire portfolio flipped in a week. And it like, okay, <laughs> great. Like, awesome. Like, so you you uploaded some PowerPoint files. Awesome. That's great. Um, so I'm not quite sure what that meant, actually, uh, from a for virtual delivery perspective. But but anyway, that that was that was the, the measure at the time was speed. Yeah. Um, yep. and, and look, if, if the pandemic had lasted a couple months, great, we're done, right? That's all we needed at the time. But unfortunately, here we are. So it started to occur to people that that learners weren't going to put up with multi-day no. Zoom sessions, right? And that um, and that there must no. be a better way to do this. And so it was really that kind of Q3, Q4 last year, we started to get just tons of inquiries from current customers, from new customers saying, look, is there a better way to do this? You know, what? what's the highest, okay. best use of a synchronous learning moment? And so that really opened up people's eyes. I think, I think, Short in short, people just got a lot more sophisticated and a lot more a, a much better understanding because they jumped into the deep deep end of the pool about about having the right blend. What's the right blend to achieve to achieve the objective? And and that that's really I think what what we've all have learned. Okay, well you know it was interesting because you know I I was in a bit of a different position when the whole thing hit because this whole hybrid thing being the digital guy I guess that was just always at the core of things. So I remember yeah. when yeah. all this hit, kind of looking around going, what's everybody freaking out about? You weren't you weren't 
quite here yet and totally. realizing that much of the workforce wasn't. And what actually created a new opportunity for us was to be able to actually say, this wasn't even just a learning experience thing. We were seeing this on the workforce side. I mean, meetings, business events, things like that, where people were going, oh my word, what do we do at this point? Because we have no idea how to work in this environment. And so we weren't fixing our stuff because our stuff already was hybrid. But now we were actually coaching and helping other people in the organization say, hey, you took your two-day work offsite. <laughs> and like you said, you took all the PowerPoint decks, you shoved them into Zoom, and you you know taped people's eyes open for two days. And then you went, wow, that was a terrible experience. That might work for a couple of weeks, but I don't think yeah. we can do this for the rest of time. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's right. And so I think where we're at now um, is this, this re, you know, reimagine, rethinking, uh, going deeper. And, and I think it's it's awesome. And you've heard all the kinds of different quotes about, you know, like organizations advance digitally uh, in, in a few months that, that they would have taken 10 years, whatever. I mean, Satya yes. Nadella, cho choose your guru, right? So but but that that really is I think what what we have experienced and, and like you Christopher we, we had a similar experience like we didn't we didn't change our product like the context changed around us and and, and the relevancy just kind of went through the roof because for us it wasn't just about digital delivery there's tons of digital delivery platforms out out there we were we are addressing through collaboration what is missing when people aren't together so it's not just digital yes. delivery it's it's recreating. Um, collaboration in this remote, previously remote world, and now in the hybrid world, and it, it's super exciting to be helping and be serving and be, um, you know, be a be of use at this time. Yeah. Well, and and I think that gets to a good point now on this. Let's let's define what we mean by hybrid, because what we talked about well, was the yeah. chaos that what people went through. Yeah. 16, 15 months ago, or whatever, when suddenly yeah. all of a sudden everybody was remote and everybody panicked and went. Oh my goodness. And they shifted and they threw everything digital. You saw towards the end of last year, beginning of this year, people started going, okay, this is going a little bit longer than we thought. This whole just chuck everything digitally isn't going to work. You started to see this emergence of, okay, I think we need to rethink things. What was interesting about that though, is they started rethinking things for how do we do this purely digital and now yeah. we're going back through this next transition, which is things are starting to open back up again. Some are going back. Some are saying, I'm never going back. Some are saying, well, I'll be right in between. And now we're stuck in this conundrum for many going, oh, rats. Now what do we do? Because we may never get back to a, we, we, we mentioned this, I think before we went live, the fact that at least when everybody was virtual, you knew everybody was virtual. So you could right. plan and account for that. You could say, this is right. what we're gonna do. Now you're going into things and going, okay, well, Sam might be virtual. Christopher will definitely be virtual. Betty might be in the office. We, we might have all these different people in all different locations. And this is creating a new set of challenges for folks. So I'm curious with this one, what are you seeing in this space as we move into this hybrid world? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's just. Well, actually, let me ask you this. Yeah, yeah. Let me ask you this. Here's a question sure. for you then. Sure, sure. Because the, the one big debate I see about this hybrid thing is, is it going to stick? Is it going to stick? Mm -hmm. So I'm curious your your take on that one. Uh, if from a work perspective, Absolutely. I mean, I just okay. don't see, I don't see how you shove the genie back in the bottle <laughs> because the toothpaste you know, has been squeezed out of the tube. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe your kids have tried to do that, Christopher, but like I, it's, it's, it's tough. To, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, look, we, we've gone through, this isn't just a, uh, you know, the, the pandemic isn't just a, a health transformation. It's a, it's a, it's a cultural societal transformation that affects bigger much bigger bigger than the workforce but but this has changed patterns habits expectations the way we live and so um the the workforce you need to, to again choose your study whether it's like microsoft's uh, research on the topic which is phenomenal 
it's like yeah, like seventy percent of people saying, yeah, I, 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 I've tasted this flexibility, and that works for me. Like I want that. Yep. And 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 organizations, if they care about people's mental health, their well-being, if if they want to be, I mean, more mercenary, if they just want to be competitive in the talent market, they they should care about that. So. I don't see that going back. Now, that, that what makes what introduces complexity is hybrid is this continuum. You know, it could be from, <laughs> hey, we're going to give you one day a week at home, or we're going to give you. A, I've heard one organization say we're going to give you a bank of of days per year to be hybrid or be remote. Really, to, I haven't. Yes. I haven't heard that yes. one. I've, yes, th- these new flavors keep coming out. The <laughs> the new flavors of hybrid keep it well. It's it's every other Tuesday and Thursday. I, I've seen it all over, but I yeah. hadn't heard the. You get a bank, a bank of remote days in addition to your sick yeah, like, bank, like like our bank of PTO. We were talking. Yeah. About. Yeah, you know, it's like okay. it's like is it bizarre. But anyway, I mean, the highly prescriptive, <laughs> the highly prescriptive okay. to hey, this is totally personalized, and here's some targets like you know Microsoft saying fifty fifty, but work it out with your manager. I'm paraphrasing massively, but like you know, there, there's just this there's this huge continuum, and this personalization, like you were talking about, Christopher, it it, it could be at the individual, it's at the individual, the team the organization, the region, the, you know, there's so many, uh, so, so, so many factors there. So I do think it's going to stick. I think it's going to be, we're going to iterate massively on this over time. Um, the honest executives are saying, we're going to figure it out as we go, you know? Um, but the, but the concept is, I don't think it's going back. It'll, it'll just be a permanent feature of work. Okay. Well, so I, I very much am in the same camp as you. In fact, I've been advocating for this for many, many years that personalization is really the key behind. I actually, I shared an article yesterday about this because I'd read it and the headline read something about how to have these difficult conversations about returning to work. I clicked on it half expecting it to be one of these, you know, how do you strong arm or gaslight your employees into thinking that this is really what they want when they're saying, I don't, but it it wasn't. It was about this whole concept of moving forward if you're going to do what's best, which is really to say, hey, let's figure out what works for the role, for the individual, for you know, the time of what we're doing right now. And then let's figure out what makes sense in that situation. The challenge with that is it comes with a lot of difficult conversation. It comes with a lot of problem solving. It comes with a lot of different things. Even what we're talking about today, hybrid design in terms of, well, okay, so how are we going to account for the fact that some people might be here on some days, some won't be here ever? How do we actually do that? And Katie brought up an interesting point, you know, add to the complexity here. You've got the fact now when you move to this hybrid model, you've got time zones that you're dealing with, which we had before, but now even greater than we did before because some organizations were pretty localized with their workforce and now that's being distributed. So I personally don't think it's going anywhere and I don't think it should. I think I've seen some organizations try and put the toothpaste back in the tube and I just predict they are going to see real quickly that one, it doesn't fit and two, people are just going to leave in droves. Yeah, and I think some some first principles are really important here too. It's like what 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 are we solving for with our yes. hybrid hybrid work? Pol- philo- I don't want to say policy, philosophy, culture. I mean, because I think there's a sense of like like you said, oh, let's just get back to the office. Okay, to do what? And let's be clear on that. Is it are we solving for face to face spontaneous interactions that drive innovation? That's an important part of our company. Is it is it to solve for relationships and culture that the glue that keeps people together? Um, is it teamwork? Is it is it you've got a um, a lot of early career people who need coaching and mentoring and some some face to face because they're just kind of lost otherwise. What what is it that we're solving for? And if we can be clear on that and have a statement of you know a problem statement, uh, a values statement, you know, it should really emanate from the company's values. Then we're kind of able to start cooking with some gas, because if you're just kind of flailing about saying, "Oh, we just need people in the office once or twice a week," well, okay, what people are going to ask questions? Why? Yeah, for what? Yeah. Right. So, well, and, and, and I think, and well, and it gets back to the point where 
it's it's going to be a personal conversation and a situational type of a thing because again yeah. there is no universal answer to that even if you're saying well collaboration or innovation or what whatever that is yeah. well we, we got to figure out does that make sense for everybody does it make sense for some does it make sense for how does that work and i don't think there's an easy answer to that question yeah that's right that's right yeah um, so Oh, go for it. Go for it. Because no, I interrupted you, which I, I always no, warn people no, that I'm going no, to. But what were you going to no, say? No, that, that's it. No, I was just 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 I was just sort of thinking about, um, you know, the, the, the challenges we inherit at this time um, that that as a result of of the uh, of, of being remote and, and the things we have to kind of solve for. I mean, some of the things we need to solve for, uh, you know, we're just we're kind of um, there's this digital overload, this exhaust that we're all feeling, yes. um, you know, we're spent all the data is showing people are spending way more times on platforms like zoom and teams and, 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 you know, that's, that's well covered. Um, but you know, things like meetings are running longer. People are, are on chat more, they're on chat more after hours. Um, there's, so this, 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 there's no, the, the clear line between work and home lines obvious, have been blurred, obviously just blown up. And, um, so, I mean, some of the things that are concerning to me and, and going back to like Microsoft's research, because they, they're able to look at massive data sets, are that communication has narrowed to within m much more within teams. Like we're, they're seeing evidence of siloing and that is actually carrying over when people go back face to face. The communications are not as broad. I'm not talking to Christopher outside of my network as much as I used to and should be. And so those are things that have long-term implications and concerns for innovation and the kinds of things I think actually that learning can help. I think we can yeah. thoughtfully design to like trick, if we know those things are, are, are challenges, we can begin to, to solve for some of those things. Well, and that's going to get into, you know, as we transition into some of the conversation around actually what are some of the challenges we face on an L&D side. But I think your point about that is spot on because a lot of times what I've seen. So let's let's take communication as an example in the siloed communication. I, I've seen way too many times over the years people say, well, there are just certain things that have to be done this way. And then when you go back to this, but what is it? that you're talking about. There's just something about it. What is it? When you can actually unpack what that is, then you can actually start to solve for it in different ways. Because to the example of, well, you're finding people are more siloed in their communications now. Well, if we can know what actually drives them to have cross-functional communication, we can start yeah. to say, okay, then how can we create and foster that in this new environment instead of just saying well it doesn't work so let's throw on the towel and totally. go back to where we were before yeah if we know it's a kind of a general condition then let's design for it let's let's be let's design for you know collaboration that can happen across teams let's design cohorts that can come together let's 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 be thoughtful about that it, it, absolutely there are solutions there yeah well, so let's talk about this from a learning and development standpoint, because this is what you just hit on to me is at the very core of what has to happen if you're thinking about this hybrid design when it comes to L&D, which is, and when I say hybrid, and this is an example, we did a, I did a team offsite all, all day last Friday. And one of the core principles we had on this is we are not going to tell anyone where they have to be for it. They want to come in, they can if they don't, and it has to work. It has to work seamlessly across the board. And it works pretty well. But going back to how did we pull that off is something you just hit on was we were intentional about what are we trying to achieve in each of these components. And now let's back into how do we design to achieve that goal. So I'm curious, as you've seen organizations have to start think about this, especially with Intrepid. I'm familiar with Intrepid and have used it. How are you seeing organizations step through that? Because it can be way too easy to just throw what you have into a nice little organized pathway and then say, I just feel like it's not working very well. Yeah, yeah. Um, it Absolutely. So, so there. I mean, there's 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 so many examples. I, I'm thinking of um, 
you know, one organization through through the pandemic that had to shift, you know, shift its whole model. So they they had a manager development program and okay. it was all all kind of designed around bringing people physically together. These are like high potentials. And, and it was like that was the core design was like all around the physical connection. And so they had I mean, pandemic hits and they had to immediately rethink um, and and start to start to pull people together in, in a cohort so they could um, connect and learn um, together over over time um, and then and then replace that with some synchronous um, learning um, where, where they could they could have some some live uh, live connections and so they were able to on the fly be able to you know reframe how they were doing that um, to the point where you know they were they were actually um, the, the pandemic almost give, gave permission with the learners to try new things because, because there's just, you know, there, there's a, before it may have been thought like, oh, well, you know, I really want to go to this. I want to fly into Orlando or Las Vegas or wherever, because it's this reward and it's this thing, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It was, it was an incentive. Sort of like, it, it was, was an, an incentive. incentive. There's a, there's a mentality of that, but you know, let, let's be honest when the, the, that fades over time and, you know, what, what was the impact of that? Did it have, what did you remember from it? Eh, you know, that was nice, whatever, you know, I, maybe I, I played, played the slots a few times. Um, but, but <laughs> brought my but, golf clubs, <laughs> brought my golf clubs, you got know. away from the kids for a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, okay. But what, what this organization found was that the persistence of learning over time, the connections made the shared work that happened, was real and kept getting showing up in their in their evaluations to the point where okay. when they when they compared the results and the, the impact of and, and the feedback from before versus after the after one you know was was shown was was uh, superior to the previous experience you know it's it's funny you mention that example because i had a similar one i don't remember when it was but we had a similar program. It was delivered in person. It was a couple days and there was a lot of resistance to touching it. It was a bit of a sacred cow in the organization in terms of, well, don't people love it? And we get a lot of great feedback and there's a lot of collaboration that's happening. And when we actually dug into it, we, some of the things popped up that, that you said, well, okay. I mean, people like it, they're enjoying it, but is that actually tying to successful outcomes or is it just a feel good which if that's the goal going back to if the outcome is hey we want to have people just feel we don't really care whether it does anything well then that's a different conversation to have than saying no 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 this is a program designed to develop the skill and anyway the way we the way we actually walked the business back from this is we architected two we knew it needed to be updated but we walked the business through two examples and they walked through redesign this in-person three day, whatever, how you think it should be. And they did. And then in parallel, we sat and laid out, but what if we could do this? And we showed, we did our ideal map and we had framed it up as this will be the second class alternative for the people who can't attend the, the three day in person. We'll, we'll do this hybrid program that, you know, yep. uh, it's not quite as good, but you know, it'll be fine. And when we laid this thing out and showed well, these multiple touch points and what we could do to drive collaboration, what we could do to measure progress along the way, we got to the end of this thing. And the response was, well, could, could we make that one the first choice? And it's like, yes, because the reality is when you do this right, you actually can design a superior product that actually will drive greater outcomes. But again, it goes back to designing it right. If you just stuff everything from here over here, it, it doesn't have the same effect. Yeah, and, and if we think about, you know, to, to the, the values of the hybrid work for, workplace that, that, that employees and workforce is looking for, and they, they want flexibility, right? That, that's what they want. And so if we can design learning that is, you know, to use the phrase semi-synchronous and happening, you know, you're, you're connected with a cohort over a period of time, but you're fitting it into your schedule. You know, you're, 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 you're participating in the experience, still connecting with people, discussion forums and group work and so on. And, and, you know, schedule those, 
live connections when it makes sense for you. I mean, then we're really tying into a, a core value that we know employees are looking for. And we're able to begin to address some of that thoughtful, if we design well, that digital exhaust, like don't throw people into, you know, multi-hour Zoom sessions, be really judicious. Ask yourself, like, what is the, 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 the value of the synchronous moment? Is it, is it to just deliver content? Because yeah. I feel good as a, as a facilitator <laughs> about talking at people. I mean, I, I had this conversation with one of our partners, Christopher, and before the pandemic, I just don't think he got it. He just was like, yeah, 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 yeah. No, I sure. But, but I, it's really important for me to deliver my content. And I was like, okay, let just, can you just try it? <laughs> just try to try to record yourself. We'll kind of, we'll kind of, and I bet, I'll bet you anything. We can boil this down, you know, to some, to some short nuggets to deliver your wisdom, your, your sage expertise. And then when we bring people together for these synchronous moments, they've all consumed the content and they're doing higher order learning. They're bringing problems. They're yeah. saying, Hey, you know, uh, Bob, I'm not his real name. Uh, I'm having this, this objection come up when I apply your sales yeah. training model, like that's real. And he's like, Oh my God, this is the way it, I'm, it turns me from, you know, it from, moves you from a, it moves you from a trainer to a facilitator is to, really uh, what it does. And a higher order coaching and just higher you know, order. Co yeah. A facilitator yeah. and a coach. And yeah. I think that's, you know, one of the things that when I've been in discussions about how do you do the most of whether you call it blended learning, hybrid learning, virtual, what, whatever yep. it's, it's really about saying if we're going to pull people together, for anything synchronous, we better be rock solid on what is it we want them to get out of that. And it yep. better not be to tell them something because yep. there are a million and one better ways to tell people something than pulling them together live and say, I expect you to block your schedule, move your stuff and whatever, just so that I can give you something. Yep. And, and that's a, again, you have to address some of the kind of underlying preconceptions that you have to let go of like, well, do I really add value by delivering this? I mean, maybe I do, but is the live component of me delivering this really all that important? And it was interesting. I did a, I did a survey this week and got, I don't know, seven, 700 responses to it about the fact that, Hey, you know, are people, how do people feel about live content being presented or pre-recorded content being presented as live. And it opened a whole bunch of dialogue, but at the course of it, at the core of it, that was the key message that came from everybody that you saw in this was, if you're going to ask me to do something and, and it has to be at a predetermined point in time, that has to have the most, there has to be something tangible I'm getting out of that for it to be worth my time. If I'm going to block my time, if you're going to say you can only come do this from here to here, there has to be something to do it. And we can do better to your point. We can do better than the low order learning. We can do yep. higher order stuff and then people will find value in it. Yeah. And, and, and I'm thinking of um, maybe we'll come out of this with some kind of a, some, some, some guidelines or some, some principles, some values, but if we think of the workforce is looking for maximum flexibility and they're suffering from digital exhaust, then to your point, Christopher, you better be damn sure that you're not, you're not violating the flexibility that the workforce is so clearly looking for or, or adding to the digital exhaust. Um, and then, and then on the other, the other uh, frame is just from op an operational perspective, you, if you're the more live, sessions and live moments you've got the more the more you're the more uh complex that is to to schedule yes and over time zones like katie said hi katie uh, uh over um <laughs> katie's your neighbor by the way you guys should meet <laughs> <Okay. sometime. laughs> um the more the more your your, your challenge with scale and, and and complexity and and then that'll get us to you know some of the other hybrid issues to unpack 
Well, and and Jerry brought this point up, and I think this is oops, that's not the right one. Jerry brought this point up, which is when we're doing synchronous things, and and this is just a rule of of thumb that I've implemented over the years, which is if we're pulling the people together for synchronous stuff, we are not delivering content. That cannot yep. be the medium by which we deliver content. And when we have them, to Jerry's point, this is when we should be addressing application of this. We should be discussing these things, talking through the barriers to application, solving some of these problems, because that's what really the synchronous time is most valuable for us yeah. to say, well, you got people together. You can work dynamically. You can think critically. Be doing that during that time, not sitting, being a vegetable, consuming something on the back end. Totally. And, and I think we're having the right conversation here too, Christopher, because, you know, there's another myth that I, I saw, I, I see come up over and over again, uh, which, which talks about, you know, what's better for live versus digital. And it has nothing, it, 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 it frames, it, it pivots around the axis of the content type. And it's like, well, okay, we can do technical and you know like the skill building stuff online if you you know, if you want to you want to learn about coding or some kind of technical skill that's fine but if it's a power skill you better do that in person you got to shove people all together in person no i mean it's the same concept of <laughs> we 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 can I mean, we talked about this a year ago when we got together can we you did know, can, you do, can you do collaborative learning around communication skills. Oh, I've heard it so many times. You just can't yeah. do that in of online. It's just it's such a it's such a myth. It, and it doesn't mean there aren't great uh you know ways to to practice those kinds of skills um in person, but the same concepts um apply here too, which is we we can we can we can um get exposed to new ideas, we can practice on our own and then we do this higher order connection either via ILT, live synchronous or or in person um it's yeah. it's not it's not content specific well and i think you know going back to this as as guiding principles for folks who may be thinking about how do i get into this new world cuz a lot of what we're talking about can quickly translate to okay so we want to do things more digitally great step 1 strip content out of anything you're doing live i mean that is just mm -hmm. a that is just a easy step one. If it's live, and the one the one thing before I'll go to step two, that I I will hear a lot of times. Well, but what if people don't go through it? What if they don't go through the content and then they come to the live thing? My answer to that is fantastic. Some of the best conversations that we've had where we've done collaborative brains brainstorming is when somebody didn't do the content and they fall flat on their face because they don't really have the context and quickly realize I don't have what I need to be effective here. But guess what happens? The teams start to work together and help each other out. And that person quickly realizes, hey, I have some gaps and they go back and do that. So I think sometimes this fear of, well, but they might not get everything. It's like, that's okay. There's no guarantee they're gonna get everything because you have them live either. You, you, they might be tuning out and missing it at the same time there. Yeah, and, and and I what I hear behind that too is maybe is is the the facilitators fear that they're not in control that they're not yes. they're not controlling whether someone has has uh, uh, received the content or whether where they haven't delivered it. Maybe we should open like a, a, a psychology practice for for recovering uh, trainers, Christopher. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but what the is thing your is need you for to, control? <laughs> well, but the thing is, you have to deal with it. You, you really do have to deal with this, and on an empathetic level, you have to. I mean, because I I remember the days of being a trainer, and you do get very personally attached to your stuff, and the thought of saying, "Well, you're just going to record me once and make a video," like what's my value then at this point if i can be replaced by a video and and i learned personally but then i've also had to coach people on my teams over the years to say your value is not in your ability to deliver content your value is knowing that content and being able to facilitate dialogue facilitate discussion, know how to get people to the outcomes that you're driving to. That's where your real value is. So why can't, why not strip out the time you waste talking 
and actually then let you do what you can do best and what you're uniquely skilled to do, which is facilitate. That's actually, in my opinion, an elevated position. Because if all you're doing is delivering content, I mean, I can get somebody else who can deliver content and they might even be more interesting to listen to. But if you're a master of your craft, know the content, know how to facilitate this discussion. Now we can address that fear, that pain point of, well, what's my relevance in this new world? And the answer is, it's a greater relevance if you do it right. Yeah. And the, and the answer also is, you know, you have the opportunity, yeah, great, greater relevance because there's also the question of, of scale. I mean, going back to that yes. sales training example, which, which I, I mentioned earlier, where one of our partners was kind of struggling with the shift to, to being, you know, going from delivering lectures to video and, and focusing more on coaching. There was a huge logistical challenge, which what which yeah. was they had like, you know, several hundred over a thousand people they need to reach. So he, his first model was like, okay, I need how, how many sessions? Twenty people per session, uh, different time zones. I need to schedule all this stuff. And I'm like, no, 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 that you're you're thinking about it the the wrong way. Let's let's reimagine this as a as an a- asynchronous experience or semi synchronous scheduled over time. And let's, yes, you will have to do some scheduled sessions, but they're just going to be these coaching sessions and and fewer. They're smaller, they're more bite-sized. Again, from a scalability standpoint, to address some of the problems that people have commented leading up to this of, well, what about time zones? What about, you know, complexity of different audiences? Well, if you're taking it from a three-day thing into these bite-sized 90-minute sprint sessions where you're where you're digging deep and actually yep. tackling and chewing through problems. Well, now you can do that and you can do that from a command center. I remember way back in the day, we set up a command center where we could have facilitators literally shifting to different audiences throughout the day, which by the way, is way less fatiguing on a facilitator than standing and delivering for three days straight to say, you know what? I can bounce to multiple sessions each day, but I'm in more of an active facilitation role than standing talking the whole time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, one that reminds me just pop, well, something popped into my head there. Chris, when you said that is one, one of the major um, leadership uh, development firms out there um, really shifted its business model through the pandemic uh, to be l- less focused on a, a con- contractors who were flying around to different clients and dropping in and doing their facilitation to a more centralized delivery model, combining yep. some some uh, semi-sync with, you know, with synchronous sessions. So you've got a smaller team, higher quality control, lower cost. To be frank, you know, for the for this yep. organization. It so is. there's a way there's a way to you know really uh, really improve the business model of of delivery as well. Yeah. And again, I think what I've been able to show from the data standpoint is you're delivering a better result. So going back to this fear of will the organization still see my relevance? Will there still be a place for me? The answer to that is absolutely. In fact, it may be an even, well, not not maybe, it will be an even more critical place that you'll hold than, than before. So with that, though, I think as we shift to so that's, I, I, again, that's step one, like take the content yeah. out because now you've addressed a huge part of the hybrid design challenge, regardless of whether people are in the office or not, which is, hey, you consume the content portion of this when you when it works for you, fit it into your schedule, going back to this whole philosophy around personalization, which yeah. is here's what you need, you figure out when it fits. Yeah. But then this live piece, there's challenges you've got to deal with with this. And sure. I, I, it's it's a question that comes up a lot for folks um, that I see is, okay, well, what do you do when there's some people are there, some people aren't? Do you have two different sessions? And I'm curious, I've got a perspective on this, but I'm just curious what you're seeing from a client standpoint. Are you seeing people break them apart and kind of run Going to your point, we can scale this now because now facilitators, instead of being stuck in three days, hey, they can run from a command center. Are you seeing people go more towards this? They're splitting it up and saying some of these cohorts we run, the asynchronous activities virtual, and then we do in-person ones, or are they mixing them? Yeah, I mean, so, so far, and I think this will change over time, we're seeing more of the, the virtual sync still. 
Um, I expect, you know, as we emerge, you know, more and more from the from the remote world to the true hybrid world, that we'll see um, good arguments uh, and, and good reasons to have have those be live face to face kind of interactions, and that is going to be driven by a whole whole range of of criteria around. Um, around you know the, the the nature of the application, where people are co-located, um, where you, you know, and it gets down to that personalization of hybrid. You know, can can you pull together? Can you can you assume that people are are going to be accessible at a certain time? Maybe it's tied to another company event that's bringing people together live, like a sales kickoff or something like that, where you can assume you've got some good reason to assume people are going to be together. But I think that that where where you can't, you know that that's going to I think drive more towards the virtual facilitation, and, and that's where the complexity comes in. You know, one one thing too around this, I was kind of shocked to see, as we think about kind of first principles of delivering to a hybrid workforce. You know, we may all assume that in the remote world, everybody has what they need in terms of cameras and you know a good setup and yeah. so on and, and I, I mean i was shocked microsoft data showed that almost half people half people said they're, they're not set up so yeah. i know that's not lnd's responsibility it's not it's well, we not have to account job. for it we have to account for it you have to account, we have to for, account it. So, for it yeah yeah so. yeah no it's you know it we we a lot of times make a lot of assumptions and i've seen this when you know in global organizations where not necessarily even just hardware we make a lot of assumptions about even just internet access and capabilities that are not necessarily as prevalent in other parts of the world that they are in you know, the us or the uk and things like that but going back to this design piece you know one of the things that i i kind of have a cautionary tale to folks as they go back to, as things start opening up, there is this pull to say, well, great, now we can have all these things and they can be synchronous in-person events because we'll all be back in the office because we know people will be there. And one of the things, I remember a time uh, where we were dealing with some of this stuff with onboarding and I suggested that we actually design for hybrid to say, wherever we do anything in person, there should be a virtual component happening at yeah. the same time it yeah. should be happening at the same time and i remember they looked at me like i had eight heads because they just said well i mean but why we know people are there and you just start thinking of examples well what happens when somebody's sick and can't make it what happens yeah. when you know life hits and somebody's not there or somebody chooses to come in sick because they are like well i don't want to miss it and this is the only option that I have. And I said, we now are making this non-inclusive for anybody who happens right. to not be able to be there. And with technology, it quickly becomes so easy to do it both at the same time that you say, I don't think you actually have to separate the two. You can design once and, and deliver in two ways. But to your point, you have to account for some of these things because even last Friday, I've been doing this for years. And even last Friday, there were moments where we went, shoot, we probably should have had a 360 camera yep. that was set up in yep. the middle of the room and we didn't have one. We thought we could maybe yep. position laptops in and work. It didn't work very well. We probably yep. should have this. We probably should do this, you know, little tweaks like that. But it can be done for anybody watching or listening who's like, well, you got to design them separately. I would say you don't. Yeah. And, and um, you know, my, Microsoft's research, I, you know, just I, I keep referencing this. You just you, you go to their go to their site and look at their latest research on hybrid work. They 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 make a, a very similar point, Christopher, and have some great, you know, mock ups and pictures of, of the way things are, are could be set up, you know. So and I think you, you and I, when we were talking a few weeks ago, you talked about Google, um, the, the their campfire. Yeah, the campfire. campfire rooms. Yeah, I mean, just in this this principle that like whether you're virtual or in person, it should be the same. It should be, well, it's not gonna be the same exactly, but it should be accessible, fully accessible, yes. fully thought through, not sort of like this hack. We've all been in those, you know, been on the wrong side of the phone trying to participate in a in a group <laughs> call and you can't hear anyone. And it's you know, yeah. we just I think our empathy levels have been raised by this. We're all kind of connecting remotely. So, and that's a good thing. I mean, it's a really good thing that's come out of this. 
Yeah. Well, and it goes back to, again, I can say from firsthand experience, it can be done. And I think that's one of the myths you almost have to bust with hybrid learning is that well, you can't really mix the two. It's either in-person or virtual. And the answer to that is that's not true. You actually can do it really well. But going back to the thing we said from the very beginning, you have to design with intentionality. And there's just little things that over the years we've found along the way that work really. I, one, one example from last Friday, I happened to, I mean, I didn't go in person, I was virtual. So I facilitated the virtual component so that it didn't feel like, well, the people on the phone, they're kind of the second class participants. They're kind of there, but nobody's really paying attention to them. Nobody's really working with them. They're kind of listening from the wall. It's like, well, no, you got to account for if you're doing something hybrid, you should have a hybrid facilitator facilitating with you and your in-person one there so that you can have this blended experience that feels seamless across the board. So I think there's just some of these little things that can dramatically improve the user experience. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. So have you seen any, just as we kind of conclude here, cause we're, we're running out of time, even though I feel like we've only scratched the surface on this one, but um, you know, are there any ones that, I'm just curious, Things going in, I can, I could sit and think of a million things where people have said that just can't be done, blah. And I'm like, eh, when we get to the core, you can't. But I'm curious if there's any ones you mentioned the leadership one, but over the last you know however many months, have there been any programs that you've seen with clients? Some of those aha moments where they've said, I just I just don't know that we can do it this way. That now on the other end, the one example you gave, you're like, it's actually better. This is better than it was. Are there any other ones? Yeah. You know, the audience that has the most resistance that I've found are the professional trainers. And it gets okay. back to, it gets back to kind of it's real thinkings of like real fundamental questions like, well, if I'm not in this role, what am I going to do? And, and a lot of, a lot of those are around these human power skills, okay. uh, communication skills, presentation skills, facilitation skills, every one of those we have found uh ways to innovate and improve and because people get real opportunities for practice which you honestly have a hard time many many times you have a hard time doing live like you can't have a difficult that's always the thing that that's always the thing that gets pinched i mean literally i've been doing this for my entire career that's always the thing that gets pinched in those sessions oh we're running a little behind schedule so we're going to cut into the role play we're going to cut into that piece because we got to get through this content yeah and, and let's be honest a role play is by definition it's contrived you know like it's not yes. it's not real like, you, like right. you're not you're not really practicing in the real environment so Anyway, I mean that that's 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 what we've seen, um, and and we. But again, I think the beauty of this last gift, the silver lining of this last uh, period of time, is that it's opened people up to 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 consider new possibilities. Um, I don't know. One one of the areas that I think is um, a, a content area that I think we're going to need to uh, we we do need to think on as a result of the hybrid um, the hybrid environment, our manager skills. Um, and yes, I a hundred percent agree. You know, because because yeah, managers, they need they need a different, uh, not a different. They need a new some new tools in their toolkit to be effective virtual managers. Yeah, it's it's this it's baseline. The skills are similar or the same, but it's a brand new application of it. It's yeah. a brand new application that is a muscle that has not been worked. And, and I'm 100% with you on that. So, all right, well, we could have had a whole discussion just on that topic. But let's let's pause there because otherwise we'll go way over. So I think totally. kind of if I, if I were to recap some of this, I think one of the things we just said out of the gate, even before you start, is you've got to shift your mindset. Because if you're coming into this that a, we can't, or what I'm, I just, I'm too held tight to what we were or what my role is. You're never going to get anywhere because you're going to always be trying to design and preserve that. So you kind of have to let go of that before you even start. Yeah. Then we can say, strip anything content delivery out of anything live, because if you don't do that, then you're already fighting an uphill battle. That's impossible. Yeah. And then at that point, you can start to say during that live time, 
what are the most impactful things we can do? And we can do that both in a hybrid or virtual and in-person world seamlessly. I mean, it seems to me like we've got a pretty, pretty straight playbook there, Sam. I, yeah, I, I think we, I, I think we did well. I, I, I hope, I hope so. Yeah. I mean, I uh, hope so. I, what do I know? <laughs> yeah. No. And I, and I think, I mean, and you said this when we were talking a few weeks ago too, Christopher, that, that, that people, uh, maybe their, their mindsets have been a little fixed or ossified with this. So they're thinking like, okay, yeah, through the pandemic, I, I, I realized like everything's digital. Like I'm going all async now. Yep. Okay. Or, you know, we're opening up, I'm going all live now. And, yep. and, and, and so we need to, we need to kind of hold, you know, think, thinking about a, a new concept of a digital blend. Blended learning's been with us forever. We just have some some new tools, some new context to design for, but the most powerful solutions are are, are, are likely going to be some some kind of a digital blend concept. Absolutely. I'm 100% with you on that. So thank you so much, Sam, for joining me again. It was great to have you back. Uh, great topic. Hopefully everybody watching got something out of this. Have a wonderful rest of your Thursday and a great rest of your week. Thanks, Sam. You too, Christopher. Great to be on. Always a pleasure. Take care.